Expect the Unexpectable. Hello, my name is Will and this is Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world dedicated to films with super action. Now, such is the nature of running a podcast celebrating helicopter explosions in film, you inevitably find yourself reviewing a lot of Hollywood action movies. But on this show, we thought we'd take the opportunity to cast our eye a little further afield and look at the world cinema scene. So on this show, we're not interested in Hollywood or even Bollywood or Nollywood. No, we're looking at the action cinema movie scene in Uganda, otherwise known as Wakaliwood. To help me review the film, I'm joined by the world's leading authority on African cinema. With me once again is my good friend Dara. How you doing, buddy? Katanga, my friend! <laughs> Lenny amazing. Henry's uh, finest Lenny, catchphrase. Yeah, 80s, 80s comedy, that's, that's kind of what I was trying to put into that. Well, Will, when you said we were going to watch this uh, unique cultural phenomena, I was really very excited to uh, check out Ugandan cinema and see what they had to offer, you know, the poverty and mixed with, uh, you know, colonial struggles. I thought this might be some sort of Merchant Ivory film. Well, I know how much you like subtitles. I know you like to, to venture into world cinema. So I just thought, you know, this was perfect for you, Dara. So I'm, I'm figuring you've got absolutely nothing to complain about with this film we're looking at today i think you're doing this to punish me will aren't you i don't know what i've done i thought i feel i've been a good friend to you over the years and you know how upset these films make me when you make me watch them you've got me here under false pretenses this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back dara if you want to get out of that basement you better play nice oh dear what what do, what do i have to do this film i don't know uh, well, there's a lot to talk about on this film, but yeah. it might not be what uh, people are expecting. OK, well, I know you didn't enjoy this film. So, uh, you know, I thought I'd ask you, uh, I haven't asked you this for a little while. I wondered uh, if you'd watched anything lately that you uh, that you had enjoyed. Well, yes, uh, I sort of the antidote to this uh, awful film. I um, uh, was lucky enough to get to a preview of a documentary um, created by, I think it's um, CNN and Channel 4 about an amazing story absolutely incredible story of three identical twins the film's called three identical strangers and basically involves i don't want to give too much away because i really it's one of the best documentaries i've ever seen i watch quite a few documentaries and this is incredible it, it leaves you thinking about a lot of things after you finish watching the film and discussions carry on if you if you're watching it with someone um which i think is a mark of a a good film is when you're carrying on talking about it after after the credits have rolled um and it's about three new york siblings they were adopted and they all end up being put in different families and don't re um don't meet each other until they're 19 years of age and they basically get to, to sort of celebrity status because their story is so amazing in the early 80s end up being in a, a madonna film they're desperately seeking susan they cameo in that and they're the kind of the men of the moment in the early 80s mm. And basically, you, you kind of follow their stories done through um, uh, sort of old cine footage of them growing up, plus talking heads of all the sort of relevant characters. And their story kind of starts off, uh, you know, amazing. It's you know, funny and, and uh, you, you sort of rejoice in them meeting each other and then takes a sort of darker turn. It's one of these things where you, you just can't can't believe the story is real. And every time you sort of learn something else, something else more incredible follows it. It really is the one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. I really would recommend people see it. 
Okay, and is that uh, good, something that's going to be widely released in cinemas, or is it something that's going to go straight to streaming? No, I think I think this is the sort of thing. I, I think the, the the sort of buzz about it as well is so strong. Obviously, not a lot of mainstream cinemas sort of stock documentary. So I, I saw it at the the Duke of York's chain, which is the Picture House chain. So it'd probably be on the uh, what's that posh one in London? The uh, variety, not Verizon. Can't remember. There's a there, what's the chain in London with the with the kind of uh, highbrow films? Curzon, uh, is it? You have you have the you've got Curzon. You've got the Picture House chain up in in London as well. So I think you'll you'll see it on those kind of things in America. I don't know whether they have a similar thing. I'm not really familiar with their chains, but it's it's obviously not a big blockbuster type film. Mm. But it's it's you know production is fantastic. It is a CNN Channel Four sort of amalgam so i would imagine it will get some sort of release in the u.s but uh, if not netflix they do a ton of documentaries so this will have to be on there it's literally a must see what i want to know is how you're getting invites to these premieres whilst i as the host of the world's only exploding helicopter podcast you know have not had anything in the post about this film uh, well i'm the talent will i think we must establish that <laughs> you're the you're the cart horse who keeps the keeps the truck moving along and i am the shiny apples inside the cart that the that the public want to see and hear i can't put it any clearer than that so you're the you're the shiny apples and you're the in, in a cart and i'm i'm some sort of horse I, that's a, I'm mixing such, a, such a such a clear analogy dark i'm mixing my metaphors somewhat so let's not let's not delve, delve too deeply into it okay i think it's time to get stuck into who killed captain alex so uh, here's a little bit of uh, something or other that i hope gives you a flavor of the film we are coming for you we are crazy wakari is coming for you uganda home of the best of the best movies <laughs> Super soldiers. By the way, who killed Captain Irish? Europe, Portugal, Japan, Russia, America, Australia, Spain. You killed Captain Irish. We are coming for you. What the hell? All the passport. Jesus, fool. New York City. Who Killed Captain Alex is what you would describe as the ultimate cult film. Made on a budget of just a few hundred dollars in Kampala, Uganda, the film was originally distributed by DVD in the local market with the expectation of maybe being viewed by a few hundred people. However, it became an internet sensation and achieved global fame after a trailer was uploaded onto YouTube. The story of the film is about Uganda's top soldier, Captain Alex, who is tasked with bringing down the Tiger Mafia, a shadowy crime organisation who are up to no good. But after starting his mission, Captain Alex is quickly betrayed and killed by an enemy within. Enter Alex's brother Bruce, who just so happens to be a Ugandan Shaolin monk. 
He then sets out to avenge his brother's death. Just to give you a little more flavour of this film, the actors here are not professionals. They're wearing their own clothes. The sets and props are largely made up of whatever was at hand. But whilst this is a very low budget and is certainly short of the standards you would expect of even the most modest of TV programmes, it is trying to replicate the thrills of Die Hard, Commando or any of those classics of action cinema. But enough scene setting and background. Dara, what did you make of Who Killed Captain Alex? Well, it's certainly a memorable film. Once you've seen it, you won't forget it. And it's kind of one of those, it is perfect for the internet, really, because it's so bad. It's so bad, it's good. Then it goes to bad. Then you might think it's good again. Ultimately, I left thinking I'm happy that this film was made. So the film is absolutely terrible. Editing is awful. <laughs> the effects are awful. The script is nonsensical. It's so cheaply done. Bless him, the guy. As you were mentioned, I think they, they, he made made a film with $200. He edited the film, apparently, on computers that he put together himself. Um, so he's get used to just make computers. And he obviously had to get this powerful enough computer to do film uh, editing on there. So it's a real dog's dinner. It's, it's pretty awful. It, it's not... <laughs> It's, it's not very long. It's about an hour, eight minutes. So it's it's a it's watchable. It's free on YouTube, and it's obviously got to a bit of a cult status because it's completely ridiculous. I mean, he, you can tell the guy is obviously a lover of 80s cinema and action and kung fu films uh, because there's it's kind of a bizarre amalgam between the sort of Commando and Enter the Dragon. But I completely lost the plot 10 minutes in and i was almost <laughs> exclusively relying on the uh, the vj emmy the guy who talks over the film it, it films really weird and where it's got a sort of director's commentary that you can't turn off it's on the film and it's not the director it's just a a video joker apparently this is a thing in uganda where they have someone they go people go and watch a film in like a their version of the cinema they watch the film with the dialogue and then someone else with a microphone will sort of toast over the top of it and comment on the film, which is quite interesting. And, it, and the guy who does it is hilarious. He's actually quite funny. And he, <laughs> ma he make, for me, makes the film because not only does he explain the plot, he has little jokes mm. and little asides that uh, kind of got me laughing on a few occasions. So it's, it's a very unusual film. Well, I would have to agree with uh, a lot of what you said there. This is not a good film on any sort of objective uh, particular standard um, but I have to say I, I enjoyed watching this movie despite all of the flaws I think the reason I enjoyed it is because it's basically this film is is coming from a place of of love mm -hmm. and you know the people involved in making this film they it's, it's very clear they haven't got very much to work with they've got you know limited limited sets limited actors they, you know they've got hardly any money to work with but they are not going to let any of that get in the way of trying to produce the most entertaining uh film that they can uh i don't think it necessarily um, always succeeds as you say the plot is basically incomprehensible but uh you know there is regular amounts of action there is certain things in this this film which are just so bizarre you you've you know that you'd only see them because somebody completely un, doesn't you know, know what un, they're doing un, yeah exactly because somebody doesn't know what they're doing they're like why not put this into it why not put this into the film and uh yeah i have to say overall i thoroughly enjoyed it i don't think i'm going to be putting this on on a regular basis because uh, i've watched it twice now and i think i'm pretty much i've i've done my shift with this with this I, movie i think you've got all the nuances out of it after yeah. the second watch yeah um it, it kind of reminds me i don't know if you 
I had a little phase when I was a kid uh, about watching kung fu films in the early 80s. And I remember watching some sort of early 80s, late 70s kung fu films done on probably a very, very similar budget, very, very low budget. Um, where it's half of the uh, mm. cast aren't actors, so you get that vibe, and it's all it's very stilted, but they're quite fun in a bizarre sort of way. And I suppose this is the spirit of those films is carried through in this one. Well, let's give people who most likely haven't watched this film, let's give people a, a little bit of an idea of the sort of incredibly low budget that is that is at work here. And um, you know, I think uh, as we've already mentioned, the the actors here are clearly non-professionals, and um, I've heard some stuff with the director talking about this film. And yeah, he's he's basically just using friends, family, and anybody who you know, was it happy to give up their time to be in the film. So no uh, acting credentials uh, uh, were required. And so, yeah, there is a, a wide variety of acting or non-acting in, in this film, which does add a certain element of uh, of amusement in many scenes. But, uh, you know, the uh, this this film is obviously um, about the army trying to track down this this particular criminal. And again, I think a good example of, uh, of, the, of the incredibly low budget that they're working with here is that uh, many of the people are carrying... Uh, replica guns which clearly are they're like toy guns aren't they some of them are toy guns some of them aren't even toy guns some of them are just basically bits of wood that are painted black and cut into the shape of (laughs) into the shape of guns i was particularly amused by the guy who was wearing uh do they call them bandoliers with all the ammunition oh uh, yeah draped with wooden bullets (laughs) he had he had bandoliers made of wooden bullets which (laughs) just looked like bits of wood but uh you know in in my um it's amazing. In my uh, research for this, <clears throat> I, watched, I, see, I saw a documentary. Now, apparently, because of the lack of a budget, lots of the props were made by themselves. So the director, Isaac Nguana, I think his name is. Easy who, for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to say. He He's basically the, the brainchild behind this, wrote the script, did the editing, shot the film, directed, produced, everything. He lives in a house. He record, uh, like, shoots he, he edits the film in another part of his house, and next to his house is a garage workshop where his mate does all the props. So he will get the he will get the uh, script because apparently there's this is now a cottage industry, and there've been the few films that've been made out of the um, Raymond Productions, which is his production company in this slum outside Uganda. And uh, so he will tell his friend that he needs this this sort of gun, and so they they'll go away look at pictures of it, and the guy would like weld little tubes together and try and do make a imitation gun and this guy is amazingly clever and apparently one of the later films he's actually recreated one of those massive gatling guns you know the gun mm. that's in predator that yeah. they uh, um that they carry around with the with the, that with a barrel that goes round he made one out of like motorbike engine and <laughs> Honestly, you see, like incredible, um, you know, you've got to give these guys ingenuity, incredible credit for these guys who actually try and, you know, they love action film. They've got no money. They've got pretty much no talent, but they've made, (laughs) they've got, you know, we're talking about them. No money, no talent. It sounds very familiar, (laughs) Dara. Maybe we can get a part of one of their films, Will. How about that? I would love that. Oh, that'd be cross promotion, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, one of the unique aspects of the film is is something that you've already mentioned, which is this uh, the the video jockey who commentates um, throughout the film, sometimes poking fun at it, sometimes giving you little reminders of the of the plot. I mean, you've already sort of mentioned that aspect of the film a little bit, but yeah, what did you make of that particular aspect of the film? I thought that was brilliant. I mean, you know, can you imagine that being uh, carried out in mainstream cinema where you've just, you know, you've got uh, 
sort of the new Marvel film and you've got some guy just talking over the top, just taking the piss out of the characters or <laughs> just reminding people where they were. I mean, in terms of plot reminders, this guy is, is gold dust because if you've got some sort of convoluted, uh, if you're watching a, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan film and you're a little bit confused as to which realm you're currently in, you just have this guy talking over the top just to remind you. I thought he was excellent. And his, uh, his little asides. He, he, <laughs> he's got a very surreal sense of humour, hasn't he? Yes, one of the uh, new things I've learned uh, about Ugandan sort of patois, <laughs> uh, something called beating the rat, oh, yeah. which I, which I, I've never heard this <laughs> phrase, and I think it means uh, I'd either either have either have sex with or have your uh, male member um, um, manipulated. Uh, manipulated. Thank you, Will. <laughs> I'm searching, searching. So I quite I quite like that as a phrase. I might use that myself in uh, <laughs> my popular parlance. But um, where do you think that comes from? You know, there are, there, are, there are all these, these you know, like Spank the Monkey. You know, you can kind of, if you think about it, oh, yeah, I kind of get where Spank the Monkey may come from as a, you know, where it may derive from as, as a phrase. But Beat the Rat, uh, you know, I don't... don't, I don't, I don't mm, not sure. I don't know. How do these idioms come about? Um, interesting. I mean, I quite like the... He was At one point, he was asking for... He was talking about Dolly Parton's music when they were... Uh, <laughs> going through and i don't know if you noticed will but i particularly liked um he's obviously got some cd the director mm. of uh pan pipe music so I, I picked out he had gimme 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 by abba in there just apropos of nothing as behind a behind yeah. a scene where two people are sort of killing each other and he, he uh often would uh introduce a refrain from uh seals kiss from a rose on pan pipes just as uh you know helicopters are shooting by or someone's getting blown up uh, i thought it was a it was a nice touch yeah i i uh there was pan pipes mamma mia in there as well so. oh, Mamma Mia, okay fine <laughs> abba fan this guy but uh, yeah, I mean, this this is possibly well, it's certainly from my experience, the only action movie I've ever seen which um, includes a soundtrack of pampite music. It's, it, this is, you know, there's a number of firsts in this film, uh, <laughs> I have to say, and you know, the the I have to, the the VJ it was really an essential element because I, I think if we hadn't if the VJ yeah. wasn't there, this would just be a pretty bad film. It would be a bit of a slog, even it'd at be an a hour. Bit of a slog. But I think it's almost like because this guy's talking over the top of it and he's like joking, he's kind of almost to feel like the whole film is, is, is made in a tongue in cheek way. I don't think it is, but it gives <laughs> that sensation that it's this is all just a big joke and they know it's crap. But, uh, you know, we can all have a laugh about it. Now, this film is obviously inspired by Hollywood action movies. What did you make of their attempts to replicate or reinvent those types of uh, action scenes? Well, bless him. I think this guy obviously is a lover of 80s action, and you can see that in the film. However, he, if I'm not mistaken, I read an interview with him where he didn't have enough money to go on the video, video editing course, which was a six-month course. He did one month of it, run out of money, but learned enough to sort of edit the film, to, to like work how to edit you know, on a computer and the software needed. So he hasn't really got the skills maybe for his vision. Now, I know subsequent films have been made off. This was made in 2010, this film. It's quite an old film. But he's made quite a few films after. And I think his production values, even though he's still working out of a garage in a slum in Uganda, they actually he's learned a bit, has learned on the job. So I think some of his production values and his action sequences are a little bit more believable. But in this film, people are shooting, like waving guns around, you know, like just spraying like, but only one person is dying. You know, people punching and not connecting. You can see it. I mean, it's kind of, it's like a joke sixth form film. Yeah. It's almost like a parody film. But it's not. 
Yeah, and there's a bizarre uh, penchant for having characters crawl through sewage trenches. I don't <laughs> quite... I don't know, you know, I think it says a lot about the uh, director's powers of persuasion that he could get uh, so many of, acts, of his actors to spend so much time basically crawling on their hands and knees through sewage trenches. Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's pretty much all shot in one of the slums outside Kampala, and he's using the, the houses and sets in the kind of raggedy countryside. So, you're, you know, it's very realistic in terms of that is what you'd get if you lived there, but the action itself... They, I think they used in for for blood effects in the beginning. They used cow's blood, but one of the uh, actors got hepatitis, so he got some. <laughs> he had to go to hospital because he caught something off of, off of the cow's blood, and then they changed it to food coloring. So that's the sort of stuff. And you get mm. certain scenes, people's arms covered in red. You know, it's not blood, and you get these weird. I don't know who did the special effects, but because there's quite a few special effects in the film, but the, the sort of thing last seen on a on a Sega Master System, <laughs> where little little flashes pop up when someone gets shot or a, like a squirt of blood in certain areas, it is hilarious. Now some of the action scenes are, as you have said, are pretty badly staged. I'm not sure how much uh, how much or if any rehearsal went into uh, some of the action scenes that are staged here, but uh, there are the character Bruce who comes into this as the brother of uh, Alex who is uh, who is killed early on in this film. I don't know, he does seem to know something of martial arts or if he He's doesn't. Good, yeah. He seems to be able to do a good impression of it and uh, some of the fight scenes involving him and there's a very a uh, completely redundant visit to uh, to his Shaolin temple, which basically just looks like a, a deserted uh, farm barn, um, where the, the fight that takes place there is actually, comparative to the rest of the film, is actually pretty well staged. So apparently this guy, he is a genuine Kung Fu practitioner. I don't know what, what level he's at. There is a Shaolin Kung Fu center in Uganda. And apparently now, because this obviously is... This whole uh, kind of... Uh, been such cottage, a sensation. It's been such a sensation. This cottage industry has kind of developed out of this tiny little town. They've made other films. And this guy, the uh, Bruce Yu, he's now the kind of uh, martial arts instructor. And he, he teaches the kids in the village kung fu. So you've got all these little... And I've seen clips of it where he's basically... In the morning, they do training session. And he teaches the, the young kids how to do kung fu. Because they're trying to build another generation of sort of action movie stars in this little village in Uganda. <laughs> kind of apropos of nothing. So his martial arts credentials are pretty much the only thing we can guarantee in this film as being of, of decent quality. So I probably wanted to wrap up this discussion of the film by asking you one final question, Dara. Go on. So who killed Captain Alex? Well, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Because not even the director knows. <laughs> because uh, the, you kind of left in a little bit, uh, you know, at least, you know, you made me sit through this film. At least give me a payoff. Tell me who, who actually killed, you know, revealed the mystery. But it, the, the end of the film just finishes with a broadcast. And I'm kind of left thinking, did they not upload the final part of the film? You, you never know, basically. It's the mystery. But, Will... There is talk of a sequel to this film where you're, you, you, we might find the answer to who killed Captain Alex. Well, I tell you that, uh, yeah, I mean, they certainly leave this film open ended. You can't um, you can't accuse this film of, uh, of uh, you know, tidy, tidying everything up neatly uh, because, uh, yeah, who killed Captain Alex? It, it basically becomes largely unimportant after about after about 20, 25 minutes and the film just sort of carries on, you know, Killing abandons. People 
the that central plot line and then just carries on with a lot of a lot of killing and shooting which is a, a you know a unique approach to storytelling but um you know i was interested to experience it yeah it's uh it's uh very uh i, I i'm almost lost for words with this film it's just <laughs> the most bonkers thing i've seen in a long time Okay, I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together, we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast as well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, let's no, talk stop, about stop, this. Stop, stop, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. We're back, and now we're looking at the exploding helicopter action. This occurs towards the end of the film when there's a big confrontation between the Tiger Mafia and the government troops, who are accompanied by a couple of helicopters from the Ugandan Ghetto Air Force. There's a lot of wild shooting, and two CGI choppers get blown up by the heavy gunfire. Dara, what did you make of the exploding helicopter action? I think calling it CGI helicopters is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, they're almost like 2D cardboard cutouts with the guy's head stuck in, superimposed over <laughs> the image. Uh, honestly, it's, it's cardboard generated imagery. It's not ah, uh, computer generated. Uh, CBI. There we go. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. It's the new Agan- Ugandan uh, special effects uh, wave that's going to hit uh, Hollywood. This is. I, I really I feel bad criticizing this film because I you know they, they haven't got much money. They're trying really hard, but they, it, it's, it's laughable. The whole whole thing is laughable. The explosions are just completely worse than anything you've probably seen in any lowest budget '80s. Uh, the sort of thing will that you quite enjoy. Um, you that looks like you know Gone with the Wind compared to this film. Yeah, I mean, they are, as you as you said, they're basically sort of these cardboard cutout helicopters are, you know, representing the, the real life coppers. They're, they're, they're superimposed over uh, an artificial uh, skyline. And before actually the helicopters explode, we get to um, we get to watch these uh, helicopters attack some buildings, which they seem to do essentially by sort of landing on top of them <laughs> and that top of them and they explode <laughs> and that the buildings explode yeah um i don't really know how that works in in reality but uh you know i was i was just in the moment i was going with the flow of uh, this particular movie but yeah the uh these two these two uh, cardboard generated imagery uh, uh, choppers get uh, get blown up in um pretty awful uh, smudge of uh, low grade pixelated uh, computer graphic but it's good to see that even in uh, exactly. Uganda the, the darkest deepest darkest Uganda they respect uh, uh, the uh, conventions chopper. of uh, of the action movie and know exactly. that they need to include some exploding helicopters in there you know they know it's key did you know though that the director was chased by a helicopter as a child, and he used that uh, visceral feeling that he got in to to recreate some of those scenes? I I, I didn't know that, but I um, mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's wonderful that he's able to exercise that dark childhood memory uh, through this film. Exactly. 
So I think we can we can probably safely say that the the special effects of these exploding helicopters are probably well, I was going to say the worst, but uh, you know, basically the question I was going to ask you, Dar, is where does this exploding helicopter rank for you? It's certainly probably the most cheaply produced. Is this the worst exploding helicopter you've seen, or do you, or, or are some of the others that you've seen in doing this podcast? Do they still some of them are they worse than this one? I mean, with the best will in the world, I would love not to say this is the worst. And we have had circumstances of helicopters going behind hills or behind jungle foliage where you don't actually see the helicopter fully explode, which is inexcusable. However, this, I think, wins the prize oh. as the worst helicopter explosion I've ever seen due to its lack of skill, money and ingenuity. Sorry. Sorry, my Ugandan friends. <laughs> what is that cold block of ice you've got for a heart, Dara? I don't know how. Well, I don't know how you can say that. I mean, I'd say if you can't see the helicopter explode, that is surely worse than the even the worst, even the most poorly executed visible chopper fireball. I suppose I got a, I got a laugh out of this one. I actually got a little bit of a laugh about how bad it was, which some of the things I've had to endure through this this podcast. Um, haven't even raised a laugh with me and I've just been disappointed so in that respect I'll give them some uh, give them some credit well let's yeah let's let's end on that sort of sunnier more positive note <laughs> if you if you have to I mean I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know why I'm still alive to be honest well, I mean, I I hear, you know, I understand that the, you know, the director of this film has been, he's very prolific. And I think he's he's now produced something like over 30 films. So uh, there's a lot of other Hollywood cinema for us to get stuck into, Dara. And I, you know, I'm sure you're going to be joining me for uh, for many, for much of that. At the risk at the risk of having to watch one of these things again, I, I heard that they've now mocked up a, a fully life-size uh, helicopter which they can use in some of the scenes. Brilliant. So, yeah, so he's now he's developed beyond the cardboard cutout. They're you know realizing the vision. So you know who knows? Maybe in uh, ten years' time we'll have a film actually worth watching. <laughs> there you are. You know we we just we just got things up on a nice positive note, and then you have to just like pour a cold cup of sick over everything. That's, Smash it. That's down. you in a nutshell, isn't it, Dara? That's it, mate. I tell it like it is. Okay, I think that just about wraps things up, Dara. I was I was going to say thanks for joining me on the show again, but um, you have please let you... please let me out, Will. Please <laughs> let me out. I'm I got I need to see daylight, please. Once we have completed uh, the Wakaliwood retrospective, then <laughs> <laughs> only ten more to go. <laughs> Okay, uh, this is the bit where I do the usual blah blah about leaving us a review and you know plugging us on social media, but you've all heard that enough times. We'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.
Uh, German food. German food? Yeah, we found German tourists. We're cooking them. Oh, very, 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 very good. Delicious. Serve me the head. Like predator. <laughs>